0: Hi, you're listening to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Hughes, and this week we're taking a break from our Meet the Ministry series to give you a little listen into our pastor's class. and That's a class that meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. during our discipleship hour, and the pastor's class is designed to give those who attend a place to work through some of the content from our weekly sermon and take a deeper dive into those topics with some teaching and then uh, as well as some table discussion uh, round tables of nine. Uh, this past week, Dr. Swanson was our host for that class. And for our teaching time, he was joined by Gabe DeGia and Cheryl Mendes ellis uh, to hear about their experience here at First Pres. Uh, just as an aside, if you haven't had a chance to hear Dr. Swanson's sermon from Sunday, I'd very much encourage you to hit pause on this podcast right now and jump over there and take a listen to uh, his sermon titled A Contagious Culture uh, just before you jump into this pastor's class content. So for today, just enjoy this content uh, from Gabe DeGia and Cheryl as they share their story about their minority experience here at First Press.
1: All right, so uh, uh, good morning, all. And just, I know some of you are standing in the back, maybe just want to hear the conversation, which is great. There is a whole empty table uh, right up here. If you'd like to sit down and and take part in the conversation, I want to make that available to you. So I know probably uh, maybe a little less than half of you have not already been to worship, so you haven't heard the sermon, you have no idea uh, what's happening this morning, but our our theme today is really looking at Revelation 7-9, it's this glorious view of heaven, um, when the curtain gets pulled back and John sees those gathered around the throne of God, and they are from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. And so you begin to understand, uh, as we think about what it means to truly be a missional church, that we've said for 10 weeks now, that a missional church should be one that reflects the nature and character of God, that the ministry of the church should always be a reflection of that. And if the true nature of his kingdom is every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, then the church should be that as well. And yet, as we look at First Presbyterian Church, we're not. And so that's that's hard because as soon as we say we're, we're not, then you begin to feel as if I'm trying to heap guilt on you and And that's not my intended purpose. Um, We've arrived at where we are for a a multitude of reasons, and I'm not wanting to revisit all of that unless the Spirit moves you in some way in in your own life. But if we're here now, then we need to own the fact that we're here and begin to pray about what we can do differently. And and I I preached in the church two weeks ago, a local church, and it was a multi-ethnic church, and I about four or 500 people. And I asked the pastor, I said, have you always been a multi-ethnic church? And he said, Oh, heavens no. He, and he's, he's 70 years old and white. And and he said, 10 years ago, we we were lily white. And I said, well, what happened? He goes, we just started praying about it. And he said, one day we looked up and everything was different. So prayer uh, obviously has to be at the root of this. And I hope you will, uh, you will begin to engage in that with us. But the the second thing and for those of you who haven't heard it, I, w- I will say this, we have to, um, uh, unity begins to happen across uh, kind of the, the, the barriers in life that separate us. We overcome those barriers when we begin to understand and identify with the experiences of others. That in the body, when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. And so uh, we have to, Begin to identify with and understand the experiences of others. And so uh, we have two special guests this morning. Uh, maybe some of you know them, some of you don't, but let me uh, introduce first to you Cheryl Mendez Ellis. Uh, Cheryl is uh, a phenomenal human being. She is a uh, retired commander in the Navy. Oh, oh sorry. Commander? I'm a chief. chief, chief, sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I, I promoted her just because I could. So she's a retired chief in the Navy. Uh, You were in for 20 years, is that right? Almost 25. Almost 25 years in the Navy. And now she's a student at Reformed Theological Seminary out in Oviedo. And uh, you're about two years done? You got one more year to go about? One semester. One semester to go. And soon we will call her the Reverend Mendez Ellis. So uh, thank you to Cheryl and then Gabe DeGia uh, Gabe is, uh, yes? Gabe, how long have you been around First Press? Since 2002. 2002. Gabe is of Filipino descent and is on staff with crew in the Jesus Film area. So, um, so they are uh, two that really have uh, come and been a part of First Press for a while, deep love for the church. And I wanted uh, to just get their uh, unvarnished, very uh, honest thoughts on um, what has it been like to be uh, kind of the non-white part of this very white congregation? So that's kind of question one. Cheryl, will you jump into that? Sure.
2: Um, so being a minority in a majority context is um, something that's not new to me. It's either a woman in a male-dominated field when I was in the Navy. Um, it's um, being in school. So like I said, it's not new to me. Um, It's uncomfortable. It can be intimidating at times, um, mostly because I don't know what the majority is thinking. Do they feel that I belong? And are they bringing stereotypes? Do they have biases? Um, Are they making judgments about me? And it's quite frightening. But I know I'm confident in who I am. So if I'm in a certain space and I know I belong there, I'm okay with that. But what happened when I came to First Pres? I felt welcomed, um, and I was received well, and I felt that was very important. Um, what, did that, what did that look like to me? That looked like when the piece of pa- piece of Christ is being passed. I remember. Many years ago, I went to another church, and I remember passing a piece of Christ, and the person was so disingenuous, so much so that they shook my hand like this. And it shocked me that I was in a church, and and I was being received that way. Here, the hugs never stop. The how are yous, the where have you been, you know? And... It has never stopped from day one, um, and I appreciate that. Um, I was invited here by um, Lee Swanson, because she's, she works at uh, and attended uh, Reformed Theological Seminary. And it's strange, because before I came for the first time, I hadn't visited any churches in Orlando. but. My first visit, there was no doubt in my mind that First Pres was going to be my my church home, and that's what it's been ever since, and I've been here for almost five years. And I thank you for receiving me and accepting me for who I am. So thank you.
1: And Gabe, just before Gabe speaks, let me just put a little parenthesis around what she just said. Did you pick up on that? The passing of the peace matters. Okay. (laughs) Right, that's not just some perfunctory thing we do. Like when you stand up and we ask you to pass the piece, there are people like Cheryl every week who've never been here before, and the way you turn around and greet them shapes their view of who we are as a body. So it it's huge. Don't ever underestimate that. Thank you, Cheryl. Gabe. Mm,
3: yeah, context is everything. So um, this is what you need to know uh, about me is my parents came here from the Philippines. My dad is a a physician. He's still working at 82 years old. And um, I grew up in Madeira, Ohio, a small predominantly white suburb of Cincinnati, a predominantly white city with great, amazing German heritage. Um, I was the only non-white person in my graduating class. Um, My church. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. Uh, the Presbyterian church runs deep in my family and is important to me. And in that church of about 700 people, um, my it was the DeGuías, and it was the Tanaka's. And we were the only non-white members of our church. Um, our family was one of eight families in a community of, of 9,300 people. So thirty-eight, about 38 people were not white in that suburb. Um, I say all that because I'm, I'm comfortable. Um, that is not necessarily true for ethnic minorities, to be in a predominantly white um, setting and be comfortable and confident and know how to operate. Um, but I do, that's what I've known. Um, and Based on my dad's influence, so that was incredibly important. It was very important for me, for us as a family, to fit in and, um, and to not have an accent, to hold on to our heritage in our home, but um, be careful about how you bring yourself that way uh, in the majority. So I, I just knew that you know, all growing up. I got into college, got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ crew. And uh, God changed my life in a dramatic way. And um, I already knew Christ, but following Christ was dramatically enhanced um, and, and uh, was, um, again, thrust into this majority culture where I was literally a handful of what would become a ministry of about 500 people uh, during those years at Ohio State. Go guys. And um uh, <clears throat> Now, sorry, sorry for the the conflict already.
1: This is this is about unity, people. It's about now. unity.
3: Now, uh, I I give you all that background because I've I have to I have to give you that context because I've never felt like there was a ceiling on me, or that I didn't belong, um, and that is true whether I was in school or if I stepped into a church or if, um, or even organizationally uh, where I work. But something happened in 2015, you might know that if you know any crew people, every other, still going, every other year, all of our staff are out in Colorado for a staff conference. So that's like 5,000 people. And in, in all years past, I mean, that, that conference has been going on for like 40 years or something. Um, that time is led by a band a worship band that is you know made up of musicians who are white and that's the way it was for decades with maybe a sprinkling here and there but that's primarily what it was so in 2015 the program team did something different that was pretty dramatic and i don't think anyone knew exactly how dramatic that would be and i certainly did not Um, they chose to have three different bands lead the entire conference and when we walked in to the day one, there, it was an all-black band. And it was amazing. It was encouraging, it was refreshing. And that was great. On day three, I walked in, assuming that same band would be on the stage. And, um, and it wasn't. And what I saw as I walked into this, this huge arena of 5,000 staff, my friends, <laughs> um, stunned me. Mm-hmm. And it it did something in me that was shocking. Um, what I came to was I I came in and looked up, and across the stage were about ten Asian musicians, fully on, fully in control of what was happening on the stage in worship. And and two emotions was like were like a lightning strike into me. And one was a deep sense of belonging, which was shocking because I had never felt that before. I'm not one who has walked around thinking I don't belong. And then the second was I've got to get my kids out of childcare and get them in here right now so they can see what I'm looking at. And I'd never felt that before. And I know your question is about what's my experience been like in church. I love First Press. I can see what Cheryl said. Rachel and I got married here. We love the community here. I was welcomed to the home of the Wolgamuths, and that's why I stayed initially with all the upheaval of you know Dr. Edington leaving. That's when I arrived. Um, but I wanted to share that story because when. When, Do- when Dr. Swanson mentions, and you'll hear it later, that who you see up front is important. The upfront leadership on stage matters. What, not just who they are, but what they look like. And that presence, the mere presence, sends powerful messages that could never be delivered by words alone. And so when you hear about that, when David talks about that, that is not token by any means. Um, just that presence is really meaningful.
1: Cheryl uh, as, and, and Gabe kind of touched on two things, you know, experience in the church. And then, you know, that's a great step that I think we need to take. And, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But um, we do need to look at how we diversify upfront leadership. And, and this is something that Gabe and I talked about years ago when Gabe was in a small group with me. He told me that story uh, about uh, the conference and how uh, that sense of belonging that he felt. And so we have, um, we have worked on that. It hasn't, been, it hasn't moved as quickly as I would like, um, but it is something we are, we are working on. So, Cheryl, that question for you, as you think about this body, um, are, there, are there little steps that we could take, maybe things you learned in the Navy or, uh, uh, you know, that small things that we could do that help, uh, a, a non-white person feel more comfortable or that sense of belonging?
2: I don't know. That was tough for me. Um, I just ask you, what does your network look like outside of the church? And, um, if it looks like this, then that might have something to do with it. And you kind of touched on that. Um, I know I invited someone, an, uh, an Asian friend of mine, to the church recently, and the first thing she asked me is, "Is it diverse?" And I said, "Not really." She goes, "Well, just that's just not what I'm looking for." And I want to tell. I, I said, "Well, why don't you just try it?" And um, what kind of she gave back to me is that. Like she didn't want to be the first to do it. And that was hard and I, I was kind of struck by that, you know, but it has to start with that question. You have to start and, and look at what your network is like, what your friend base is like and, and invite them. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful place to worship. Tell them about First Press, invite them and, and they'll see for themselves. Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know. Gabe, any other thoughts on that from you?
3: You know, this is a great season. And when I thought about this question, I thought, you know, I I encourage all of us to pray and invite someone who's not like us to your Thanksgiving table. And that would be an immediate application. You know, it's not far off in the distance. Um, You might think, well, how's that going to happen? You know, Rachel and I were praying about this. And uh, God plopped a neighbor across the street they're from india and they don't know anybody <laughs> and so they're coming to thanksgiving and um so that's one i i think two, like cheryl said i think uh this is no there, there are no small actions uh, you know to simply say hey let's pray you know that that is a big action I, my thought goes to, your, to, to the sermon, to the, to the verse that we are focused on today, Revelation 7-9. I would pray over that. I would really, I, I would invite us all to, be, to, to look at that verse and just pray about that and really wrestle with it every, every day, yeah. every day from today till the end of the year and see what God does in you and, and through us.
1: Let me, uh, uh, I want to move us to our discussion time around table because I, I really want there to be plenty of, of time for that. Let me just give you a, a quick uh, example or a story you know, to Cheryl's point, and that is what, what does your network look like? And if it looks sort of like First Prez does, then what are some small things you could do to either expand your network or put yourself in a context in which you're going to meet some people? Uh, who don 't necessarily look like you and and again today is not you know I, I preached three years ago on on race specifically um, and that 's a big part of diversity in the church but i 'm not just talking about diversity around around racial things today it 's also about uh, socioeconomics. it 's about it 's about gender um, it 's about special needs uh, it 's about you know i 'll say this in my sermon i just you know, I feel like when someone comes up and sits down to us, next to us, who's got blue hair and tattoos, we all kind of freak out. And, and, you know, th- I mean, I, I wear this just because this is how I grew up. This is what I saw my dad wear. Like I, this is normal for me. So when I see someone with blue hair and tattoos, my first question is, man, I, I want to know their story. Like, tell me your background. Like, wh- where did you come from? So that I can understand and appreciate who that person is, male or female. But how do we begin to have conversations with people like that? And because, as Cheryl said, I invited someone to come to church who's Asian. Is it diverse? No, not really. So I'm I'm not going to come. We had a a young woman in our church, uh, Stephanie Bautista. Some of you may know Stephanie. She married Eric Jackson. Stephanie's white, Eric's black. I know Eric from community service things. He uh, uh, works for a roofing company. And he's on several boards. He was the chair of the board of Salvation Army. So they get married. But Eric's tried to come to church here. And he said, you know, there just just aren't enough people who look like me. And so now they go to another church. And and that just makes me sad because uh, we do have to have people that are going to have the courage to kind of be those first who can then help us grow and build. And so one of the questions that you're going to now, there are three questions at your tables, but one of, one of them is, what, what, what can you do personally to try to help us make steps here? And this is not a, this is not, a, oh, we'll do this by next, you know, 2021, we're there, you know. This is a five or 10-year thing, but I want it to be in, in front of us. So um, let me pray for us, and we'll uh, move into discussion time around tables. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for Gabe and Cheryl and for their courage just to share a few thoughts about what it's like being in this church. And I thank you that in in so many ways their experience has been positive. I I know for certain that there have been others whose experience has not been positive. And so, Lord, I pray as we discuss around tables, as we pray about Revelation 7-9, that you would continue to to shape us and grow this body so that one day we might look up and and see... uh, a better, greater reflection of your kingdom from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. So bless these conversations now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so about 20 minutes around your tables. One of the really cool things
0: we've seen happen over the first three months of this class is uh, watching relationships develop and form during the discussion time. So um, what you'll hear in the next couple of minutes are some responses to that discussion time. Um, We would love to have you join us on Sunday morning to participate in that discussion. Uh, But the questions that were asked at the tables were, what stood out to you from this conversation? What part of this conversation was the most challenging to you? What can you do personally that might affect change in this area at FPCO?
2: Oh, Scott, and then at the back. I just
3: thought, you know, Gabe, thank you for your courageous sharing. My heart broke as I listened to you just talk about like you've spent your life editing what you can bring to a church to be accepted. And uh, like that should not be. Like that should not be. And if, if there's Filipino culture and part of your history and your past, we need that. And, and it's like, I just want to be a church that doesn't require that to fit in. And, and uh, like, bring it all. Uh, so that I, that was the thing that stood out to me. Like, that heart breaks my heart. Thanks, thank, so you, thank you
4: for sharing.
0: Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, the hand at the back. I can see a hand at the back. I can't see who.
4: Um, but I just wanted to uh, speak to one of the questions that they asked was, um, what's the hardest part um, in all of this? And for me, I, I talked about how um, I always grew up in a predominantly white uh, society, grew up in Inverness. I was adopted into a white family, which is lovely. Um, but I've, I've always felt that being the minority, that's my life. Um, and so for me, the hardest part has been the fact that um, I feel like when I'm in a room um, that's predominantly white, I end up uh, being a representative of my entire race. <laughs> Hello, I speak for the blacks. No, um, <laughs> I, sorry. <laughs> and so with that, that can be really scary, especially growing up. Like as a kid, you know, you want to just be able to make your own mistakes and just be able to be yourself. Um, and growing up, I felt like there was a limit on that because I wasn't just being myself, you know, I was in a room, I was in a classroom or whatever, uh, in a church and I was the only black person there in the room. So, you know, when I mess up, it's like, I don't want to pr- play into any stereotypes or reinforce anybody's assumptions. Um, so it was really interesting for me to hear that. And I think that's a really inter- you know, th- that's what I wanted to say is just, um be mindful of that when you speak to your, and you meet people who are different from you, realize that sometimes they feel like that can be a wall for them. And when you can put down those walls and just talk as people, um, I think that's really beautiful. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
0: (laughs) Cheryl up front, we'll give Cheryl the final word because I'm looking at the clock that's blinking at me right now, telling me I'm out of time. Cheryl, thank you also for sharing this morning. Yeah.
2: Just one more thing. Um, in relation to specifically to what Gabe said, and we discussed it at this table, it's important what we see, especially for children. It's hard to come in, I was telling my, my table here, the first time I saw a woman on the bridge of a ship, a black woman, I'm, I'm, I'm 27 years old, and I wanted to cry because I'd never seen it before, to know that a woman could, could navigate and, and, and lead and command a naval warship, an aircraft carrier at that. that that's a huge scale. But for a, a, a seven or eight year old to come into church and to see a woman, whether she's singing or, or, or leading, whatever she's doing, it's important and I keep talking about girls, but it doesn't matter. Children, they remember what they see, and it forms them. Mm-hmm. So I just want us to, to just, just to think about that. Okay. That's good. good. Thank you.
0: really hope you enjoyed the opportunity to listen into that class uh, this week. We would love to have you join us on Sunday morning for the pastor's class. Again, that meets during the discipleship hour at 10 a.m. in the... Lee Fellowship Hall. Join us again next week for our final episode of the Meet the Ministry series with Jonathan Wagner, our new campus minister here at the church. Um, If you haven't had a chance to subscribe for our podcast, we would love to have you join and listen. If you ever have any questions, feel free to stop by in the Fellowship Hall during Discipleship Hour and see me at the Connections booth. I'm always there, big orange banner, ready to talk. So looking forward to seeing you next week. All right, go out and love the city.